Have you ever wondered how the separate threads of your life fit in to one big picture? How the individual moments of challenge and triumph connect to one another to form the great meaning of your life? I am Anna Mullins, your Life Story Editor, and I'm convinced that making sense of our deepest pain can help us understand our deepest purpose. In my speaker training program and on this podcast, I help people weave together those confusing, often shameful pieces of their past, revealing the life-changing lessons that create their profound new story. Welcome to Unapologetic Stories, where secrets are out and the truth is in. for another true story of season three of Unapologetic Stories, the podcast. It might be fitting to say that for this particular edit, this is actually the second time that we have tried recording. Yes, we have two recordings with this guest or guests, which makes sense because there's actually two women behind the brand that we are talking to today. So that was like a very strange little segue and even stranger because I only have one half of the two guest today. So this is my clunky opening today. And I love how clunky it is because I'm going to talk to you later about all the clunkiness of this, but suffice it to say, I am thrilled to have this brand here, to have one half of this brand here and have them back on the show and publish this episode for the very first time. So my guests today are sisters, Christina and Carolyn. I have Carolyn with me today, AKA the mom babes. And they were first introduced to me at the Unapologetically Her show, which just feels like this like ancient thing that happened in ancient times. It was only March of 2020, but they came to my show wearing their mom babe sweaters and I remember them vividly. They went on after that to join uh, the speaker training program, my program, and graduated from that course with an incredible joint performance on the power of legacy. And we then worked together on some preliminary kind of build outs for a huge project that they had been dreaming about for quite a long time to start a collaborative book series. So if you don't know what that is, it is like when lots of authors get together, they all write a chapter, they all contribute their stories to a book, and then it becomes one beautiful book, much like Chicken Soup for the Soul. So cue, of course, a warm handoff to my partner at the self-publishing agency, Megan, And their legacy project was born. It's called The Mom Babes, A Motherhood Anthology. And it was written, published, and released earlier this year. So during a pandemic, we're going to talk about that project today, of course. But what else can I tell you? Christina and Carolyn are, of course, moms. They are sisters. They are podcasters. They are founders of this incredible Mom Babes community. We know now that they are authors as well, best-selling authors. And they are also co-winners of something that I have to ask about later, the world's okayest mom award. Just okay. You just do an okay. They are the friends every mother deserves. I can attest to that. They are also my friends now. And they aren't parenting experts. This is the real genius of their brand. They're just real women using their personal desire for connection to build a community of women through storytelling and sharing of stories. So could anything really be nearer and dearer to my heart? I don't think so. And they keep themselves busy working and wifing while chasing their kids and their dreams, all without spilling their coffee. The most important thing of all, Carolyn and I are both 
drinking coffee as we speak, and it's one o'clock in the afternoon. So that should tell you everything you need to know about the clunkiness of how our day started. Welcome one half of the mom babes, Carolyn. Welcome, Carolyn. Oh my gosh. Thank you for having me. What an intro. I, I was just like, oh my gosh, that's us. <laughs> that is you. My goodness. That is you. That is the power of you. Let's just start with this. Um, tell me about, first of all, you have a published book now. You are part of this major brand, The Mom Babes. I've seen you in all of these like publications all over the place. You are having parties. Your authors are coming together on social media. I'm watching this team come together of all of these authors who haven't even met each other. And then they met each other just recently after the book was already out. Anyway, I'm babbling here with all of that going on. Like just catch me up on you in your world right now. It's not post pandemic, but we're kind of in a wave of the pandemic. How are you doing? How are you doing? That is a great question. (laughs) How am I doing? Oh my gosh. Well, um, Yes. On one hand, it has, like you said, it has been magic these last couple of weeks of getting to um, meet the authors, even though we had met some of them, but not all of them. But really, again, getting to witness um, their interaction, that that first interaction of people and just knowing because it was such a gift to be able to watch all these women grow and evolve and um, come together. And again, like that kind of that experiment in community, like we think you can't really do it over Zoom. And I mean, we expected to have like six weeks of calls that turned into six months of calls and yeah. and then, you know, a face-to-face meeting. So that this past weekend definitely gave me a lot of life because it's been a bit of a slog for us as a family, like just personally for me. Um, this summer so as a I'm also a teacher those of you who are listening um so again teachers like love summer yes <laughs> because we're like woohoo vacation no kids see you later um but and I kind of I it kind of grieved my summer a bit because I had childcare set up but um we actually this is the first time that I'm going to be speaking about it but we've actually had my son diagnosed um, or assessed and diagnosed uh, with autism uh, Mm -hmm. this, this summer. So it's, we, um, I'd say we didn't, well, I want to say maybe we had inklings, but we really didn't, you know, I think I'm trying to defend myself being like, oh, we kind of saw some signs. No, I think we were just kind of lying to ourselves and just thought my son was totally a-okay, but realizing, um, coming into June, there were some things that were going on and, um, but being in education, I know that the wait lists are very, very long and it's very difficult to get support. And so, um, I essentially just dove right in and spent this, these last two months just advocating as hard as I could um, for my son and which has paid off because we were able to get him assessed and, um, diagnosed. And now we're just like putting our heads down and trying to connect him with all the therapies that we need to have him have. So it's been a very much of a whirlwind. Um, but it's definitely, yeah, it's not been the summer that I thought we were going to have in terms of like the vacations we had planned, but those got canceled because we had to be, um, there for the, the tests and then um the one vacation we did have planned we had to cancel because of the forest fires and so again like big picture are we're great you know big picture like we're all healthy we have like we said like information now which we can use 
to help my son, which is like so amazing. It, like I, I get choked up <laughs> thinking yes, about it, yes. but it's just been, um, it's been a summer. Let's just put it that way. It has yeah. been a summer. So yeah. This is a, a me. I mean, honestly, and this is why I kind of changed the theme for season three of this show and the theme being true story. I, I really want to dig deep on what's been happening behind the scenes for people. I mean, we all do such beautiful work out in the world. And as you have with this book, which we're definitely going to talk about today, and I want to hear so much more about that project, but knowing like the true story of what's really happening for people. And I always like to say in particular mothers, and I, I never want to like discriminate against parents in general, because parenting during a pandemic is impossible. But I think there's been an extra burden on women particularly. And so I'm listening to your story and I just feel like, gosh, if we just, we see all these magical things happening in the world, we see you on these newspapers and magazines and all kinds of publications and on social media, just big parties happening. But really behind the scenes, you are a mother contending with a fresh autism diagnosis for your three-year-old son, your beautiful three-year-old Reese, and having to navigate mm -hmm. that and still kind of put a smile on your face. And this is what I was sort of saying at the top end of this show, you and I just cried for 30 minutes before we even hit record. We did. Between the things that you're sharing about your life, the things I was sharing. And one of the things that came up was like capacity. Like at what point with all of the projects and all of the kind of momming that we do, at what point do we just like hit our capacity and say, I don't know if I can do one more thing or take one more thing on. Like you seem to be bearing it beautifully and with such a, such a grace, but. Well, thank you. I, I, I know I, I've often, oh, I've been saying, well, to you and to my sister and because she has so much going on too. And, um, yeah, like the capacity to do, I think, and I'm trying to shift that to the capacity just to be, mm -hmm. um, without feeling guilty about it. Oh, that okay. That's so big. So shifting from the capacity to do to the capacity to be, wow. And it's hard. Hard. Yeah. We're just going to cry again, aren't we? <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh, it's hard. It's, um, it's all the things like I know that we, you know, that we, that we talk about the mom babes and that we, and we share. And, um, even though I know I haven't even shared about my son on the mom babes yet, um, which is another thing, but that's okay. We'll get to that. You're in being. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, it's, we have a lot of, like, we talked about a lot of things coming up, like book number two and, and more programs and, and so many wonderful, wonderful uh, things, even events, like in-person events that I'm like, what? We're having in-person well, events. Starting to come back. Yeah. Oh my gosh. But, um, but right now I think definitely the priority is just to kind of just take it one day at a time. And I often will, um, actually my, my sister is like coined for saying, um, you know, you can have it all. Mm -hmm. you don't have to do it all and I just kind of keep trying to repeat that to myself saying you know again like what are the top three things I need to do today and mm -hmm. that's what we'll do and I know there's more than three things on the list like you know how much I love a good list yes <laughs> as as a teacher you would love a list but I'm gonna point this out too which is so interesting that you and I were saying before we hit record here you're you're not just a regular everyday teacher, you are a special needs teacher. Like you, in some way, your yeah. life has prepared you for this diagnosis, which is just magic. I can't describe. It's, it's crazy. I, I feel so grateful. Um, 
because I do, I think, you know, I, like I, um, yeah, like with any diagnosis, there comes a bit of, there, there comes a grieving process for sure. Yes. Um, but I, what I do, what I do know or did know, um, is that, you know, how important early interventions are and how, you know, um, advocation and um you know I was calling it relentless I mean sometimes people could say you went like you know I went crazy train um but I but I, but I just deep down know like from dealing with um families I work with um you know students and um and even other friends who have gone through similar um stories that were you know that we're writing our story now um there's always an appointment there's always someone, there's always yeah. someone or something that's going to line up for you. And if, if you're willing to persist to get it and it's not to be like rude or to be, um, I deserve something better than everybody else. It's just, I know that there's people out there who are willing to help you if you let them. And yeah. I just, in my heart of hearts, just knew that I had to do this. And um, if you follow us in the mom, babe, you know, my birth story, you know, how, um, how hard we've had at the start. And I just, I think I, I grieved a lot when Reese was born that, um, for all the complications we had, um, I really felt at that point that I had failed him, that, mm -hmm. that I had felt that, um, I should have known something, even though my first pregnancy and everyone was said like, you wouldn't know, you would, but I just felt like A, we fell through the cracks, but also B, we, I should have done more for him. Tell us a little bit about that birth story. Cause this was Reese's your second child. Nope. My first, I only have one. Oh, oh sorry. For some reason, <laughs> for some reason, when you said the first time around and I went, Oh, oh. I didn't realize you had a second child. Okay. So now, now I'm, sorry, I'm clarifying what I already knew, but okay. So tell me. <laughs> <laughs> well, re like I had preeclampsia um, that went undiagnosed and untreated, mm. which presented um, a lot of complications, um, emergency C-section, and then Reese came out not breathing for 11 minutes. Oh, and um, he actually wouldn't have made it um, if it wasn't for a South African doctor who we had um, at the hospital that... Um, essentially he was called in from the ER um, and uh, he did a procedure with Reese that wasn't practiced in Canada or is not practiced in Canada. And um, so the doctors said like, you know, if he wasn't here, we, we would have lost him because we didn't oh, know how to get, um, he had a mucus blockage. And so they could not get that out. And so um, he was sent to the NICU and, and he did great. And, um, and then I ended up, um, I think because of the preeclampsia, we don't actually know, but um, ended up getting um, an infection. And so I had, um, so I had emergency section and then about, a, oh gosh, a week later, four days later, I never left hospital. I got transferred to where my son was. And then um, I ended up having five 17 centimeter infected hematomas in my abdomen wall that had to be removed. Okay. And so- and they had to reopen my C-section, get all the hematomas out and the infection. And then I had gone septic. And so I needed to have like blood transfusions. And there was, so there was a lot of things. And then um, Reese ended up having to have surgery and um, like six weeks, he was about six weeks old, I think when that happened. So, um, 
at children's. Yeah. And so we were there for a week, I guess at children's. And so, and then my, our dad passed away in that time too. So it was like the first eight weeks of birth for poor, for like, you know, our fourth trimester, whatever they call it. Um, it was pretty tough. And I just felt like I should have seen some of the warning signs, like, and I should have um, advocated harder for him in the NICU sometimes. And I, but again, I was so sick and I didn't know, and we didn't know, we were just so happy. He was appearing to be doing so well. And um, yeah, there was just a lot of things. And so I um, just kind of felt like now that I know what I know, mm. I felt like I had to I couldn't stop until I got it for him. Like I just, oh. I had to do it. And I just, I, you know, I felt, cause I've talked to you about this before that it's, I always have had to like have the mantra, like I am enough, like I am enough for my son. And then having this autism diagnosis come, you realize I'm not enough. Hmm. I'm not enough. Okay. Say more about that. Um, for what my son needs, I can't do it myself. Wow. I, can't, I can't give it to him. What a realization. How did that feel when that first, just that <laughs> recognition? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I'll kind of cry now. It, it hits hard. Mm-hmm. It hits hard because you realize that, um, yeah, you, you're, you're everything because Reese is my everything. Um, and you, and I've given him everything, but it's just still not quite enough. But then when you, again, kind of flip that script of like, okay, well, um, I can get him what he needs. Mm. So let's get it. Like, we're not waiting around here. Like we wait, like I, I trusted a lot of people in our, in our start. And I think, you know, that, that honestly, like as much as I say, I feel like I failed them at the start, but by putting trust in people, I feel like we got here. And so I just had to, as new deep down, I have to just trust in the people that are around us now. And um, I just kept calling those people until they realized love, we had to trust us too. <laughs> I love, yeah, totally. Right. And I love your passion for the advocacy, first of all. And as the mother of a neurodivergent child myself, it's like advocacy is your life. It becomes your life and it never stops. You never, ever, ever stop advocating for your child's health and wellness and well-being. It's just not, there's no, I can't even imagine a shutoff point. Like I really can't. And it takes you as you and I were kind of chatting about before. And the reason we're just, we're just clunky today and I'm okay with that. And I love that we're just kind of clunky in this recording today, Um, but that it takes you and it becomes your sole priority, becomes your primary focus. And oftentimes there are things and projects and businesses and, and social relationships that fall away as a result of that. And why I thought it was so important. You and I both actually, we were texting and saying, do we cancel today's recording? Yes. Like you have this recent diagnosis. I haven't shared this publicly, but I had some recent, not so great news about my mom's cancer. Uh, most people who listen know that she's had cancer now for almost 16 years and we've had some progression in the disease that is obviously not something that we were hoping to hear. And that was just a couple of days ago. And then you had this recent diagnosis and we were literally texting saying, are we over capacity? Do we just not record this? Yeah. And my gut just said, you know, with boundaries, if any, or ever, your brand and my brand and forget brands, you as a human, me as a human, our relationship has always really just been formed on just telling the truth about what's really going on in our worlds. And now more than ever, I really see people struggling 
And it's why I love your community so much because there is no pretense. We are not wearing masks when we show up. It's like, we're just going to come as we are. And so it felt so right to just move through this interview today with Mm -hmm. just like, this is where we're at. I'm like, I haven't showered today. I got no makeup on. I'm wearing like this very strange half top bun that I'm trying to hide in my (laughs) Zoom screen. We've both got coffee at one o'clock in the afternoon. Like this is just, this is real life. This is real life. This is what it is really all about. And what I find so magical, Carolyn, among other things and your bravery with this conversation and sharing is that there was some kind of weird magic in the fact that you chose a career as a special needs educator and then ended up having a child who has special needs that needs support and advocacy. And you, and you said he got the right mama. He did absolutely get the right mama. And then I look at your community and I think here you had this kind of clunky start to motherhood. You built community, relied on the power of community in order to support you during that time. And here you are again in your advocacy for your son saying, I might not be enough alone And I think, right, but you already knew that so deeply for other reasons that you had cultivated and curated this self-belief or this belief, this core belief that community is where it's at. Like we need community and all of this is like preparation. It's just, it feels a little bit magical right now. And, and I really think let's talk a little bit actually about your community, your mom babes community. You started this obviously before your son had a diagnosis, you started this community just to help mothers who were doing what you and I are doing right now, who had no one to flip and talk to when things were going sideways. Talk to me about how it began. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah, exactly. We, you know, my sister and I always imagined that we would be mothers, of course, um, but never at the same time, like being on mat leave together. And so that magically aligned. Um, and then with our dad passing, it really did, um, obviously, obviously any monumental moment of that can you know put things in perspective and we just really in that moment realized that as mothers we we wanted something more and and you know standing and delivering our dad's eulogy we realized you know we saw his community his community was looking right back at us and we just knew the power of it we we could we we just felt so held like in that moment from his community which ultimately was our community too but it was the one thing that my dad built and he was such a community guy. And so we just thought, um, you know, in terms of our dad and he was all about, yeah, essentially serving your community, showing up for your community. And so we thought, well, we have to do something. And so kind of a way for us to grieve our dad and to continue his legacy and to then live our own legacy was to begin a community. So it kind of started as an experiment being like, well, I guess we'll just talk about real things and we'll just kind of put it on Instagram and we'll yeah. just see what happens. And what literally started as an experiment has now morphed into the most beautiful, I mean, community and um, of women who just share their truths, live their truths. And again, like you said previously, um, they can come as they are. Yes. There's, there's no membership. Like there, you don't have to be a certain way or thing or anything. Everybody's welcome. There's always a seat at the table for you. And, um, yeah, now we're like, you know, it's, I guess Reese turns three. So on Sunday, so it's three years, almost, yeah. you know, almost two and a half years, I guess, of our community and to see how it's grown and to see what it's, 
encompassed and included and um, evolved and like all the things. It's just, oh, it's wild. And it's, we feel, <clears throat> oh gosh, I, I don't even know if there's a word to describe what um, and how this community makes my sister and I feel. Like, it's just, yeah. it's, we, I don't, I, I just, I don't even think I would survive without it. I don't think I would be the person I am. Actually, I know I would be the person I am without it. And, um, I would not be able to sit here and speak with you, you know, about my son and to feel that, Hey, like there's women out there, um, who get it, you know, and just know that I'm not alone. And, um, yeah, we just hope that we can offer that safe space for any mom who wants it. Well, I think you do. I mean, I, I, I will validate for you that I think you have and do create <laughs> such a safe space for women. I mean, I've obviously met and worked with your authors in some way as well through your program, which has been incredible. Uh, because I sort of set this up terribly at the beginning, thanks to our tier, our tier fest before we started recording, I'm going to kind of like repeat this, but you started off in your mom babes community doing just coffee clubs. Like let's get together yeah. and just talk about the real things you you've kind of brought this into the land of business and branding. It's now become the mom babes. You are the mom babes. You have this podcast, you have a clothing line. I believe you have all kinds of stuff kind of going on. And then you just have this dream to do an anthology, a co-author project, which makes perfect sense if your brand is based in community. Mm -hmm. And you have now this actual book that's living out in the world. I have a couple of copies kicking around. Yeah. Mom Babes, a motherhood anthology where you literally invited your community and other women to share a chapter of their life and put it together in this book. I want to talk a little bit about I want to talk about the, the program itself, because you didn't just say, hand in a manuscript of a chapter. You <laughs> could have, you really could have said, send me a manuscript and I will plug it in the book. And, and that's how you get involved. You said, we're actually going to sit for, it started off as six weeks. You said it's now became a six month program. You sat week over week over week with this community and talked about story and develop those manuscripts together. <clears throat> talk to me about that process and what that felt like? Oh my gosh. Oh, that's a good question. Honestly. Yeah. I think my sister and I, we definitely were shocked, <laughs> like, you know, cause again, it was the first book. And so again, you kind of like how we started, we were just going to kind of throw it out there and see what happens. And so when we asked our community to say, Hey, who wants to share a chapter, the overwhelming, you know, response, like, you know, we thought, I remember when Megan, who you mentioned the, the start, the CEO of the self-publishing agency when she said well how many authors and we were kind of like uh <laughs> I don't know yeah like <laughs> who's gonna come out for this we no, don't know yet I actually know I remember Christina you know because we were on like a, a three-way call and Christina was like uh 20 and in my head I remember thinking 20 like good lord like 20 <laughs> like we're gonna get 20 women to sign up here like what and um oh my gosh like when we put it out there saying hey if you want to share it was like, boom, 20 women were like, yeah, hands up, sign me up. Like I'm in. And it was just like, oh my gosh, but okay, we're on to something here. And I think we just realized like how many women have a story and they mm -hmm. want to share it. And so we kind of thought again, all right, well, we'll guide them along. And again, with the help of TSBA and their, um, yeah, our editing team and all the things. And so we kind of just like, I think for like this, um, wanting to make sure we kind of crossed like 
the administrative side, like my sister and I, I think really kept each week, like, okay, week one, week two, week three. And then we yeah. got to week six. And then we were look, like looking back at all these beautiful women on our Zoom screen saying, well, this can't be it. Like, oh, you can't yeah. leave us, right? <laughs> like, we're just getting started. And um, actually, I think it was my sister who had the brilliant idea of um, for the that kind of the next few weeks while we were all working on the manuscript, like we were all kind of in edits and we would have like different drafts going back and forth. Um, we spent each Wednesday, we met um, and we would take turns. We'd have like four authors each time read their story. And um, that was the magic. I think that was like you know, I'll, I'm such a sports person. So I say the TSN turning point, but it's that turning point where women who, you know, were first, of course, we're all in this community and we're all supportive and we're all excited for each other. Then once we kind of, like you say, you crack it open and you, cause we kept, cause we had read all their stories. And so we kept yeah. stories. Oh my gosh. But they're looking back at us being like, well, I know my story, but I don't know the other women's stories. Right. And so it's once we, they all got a chance to read their story to each other. I think that's when um, my sister and I, like that feeling of like, I don't know if I'm allowed to swear in here, but like, holy shit. Like, yes. Yes. This, like, this is what we've been waiting for. Like, this is the legacy. This is the dream. Like, this is everything that we could ever, ever dream of. Mm. And I think it was, I can, like, I'll speak for the authors and I, they're listening. I hope they don't mind, but because it, it showed when we met when we, when we all met this past weekend like they just like they, we kept hearing over and over again like I feel like I've known you for years like I feel like I like you're my sister like I I and and it's be they just sat next to each other on a, on a computer screen right and it's just again when you when you share your truth when you share that little you get vulnerable and you and you live unapologetic like you yes. like you know it's again people and women, you know, their your heart grows a little bit bigger and, and allows more people in. And it's just a beautiful thing. So yeah, the process has been phenomenal. And honestly, we can't believe that we have that yeah, women on the wait list and they're like, when's book two coming? So we are, yeah, so excited to be moving forward and um yeah, seeing what else lies in the cornfield for us. Yes. <laughs> and I love that. I mean, there is going to be a book too. So that yeah. will be stay tuned, obviously, to the Mom Babes community for the new dates if you want to sign up for that or take a look at what's going on inside their book publishing process if you want to join the Mom Babes community. But I want to kind of pivot here for a quick sec, Carolyn. Yeah. Um, in the foreword of the book, right at the beginning of the book, you write, we don't often consider grief and loss as part of the process of entering motherhood. Can you explain that a little bit? What do you mean by that? Well, you went there, Anna. I went straight there. I mean, we were, we've been just all over the place. So why not go there? You know, I think there is grief and loss. I mean, we can look at it because um, both my sister and I obviously have experienced grief. We And grief comes in so many different waves and, and shows up for people in so many different ways. And um and you and loss, I mean, you can look, you can think of like both, like both my sister and I have had experience like pregnancy loss, but we also, you know, you, when you become a mom, I think my sister and I both felt that it's almost like you grieve your past life. You grieve who you were before you became a mom and right. you have loss of a job, loss of, of course, like something, a family member or something, you know, more tragic like that but you know you you can lose so many things it doesn't have to be uh, 
something where you with a more traditional sense of when you think about grief and loss. Um, yeah, loss of jobs, loss of, you know, um, friends, loss of community. There's so many things that you can lose. And um, I think for us, when we became moms and we experienced the losses that we had, I think we really realized that it was that pivoting or that pivotal moment where you get to learn who you are again. Mm. And you, you get to really, I think, um, get a chance to kind of step into who you really want to be. Ah. I think with us starting the mom babes, it was like a relearning of um, the women and the mothers that we wanted to be and letting go of, of the losses that we had and, and our old selves. Like it's, I, I am not the same woman right was before and I sometimes grieve her <laughs> yes I often I often grieve my like pre-child self but not because and you know this and all moms would say the same thing you can't remember life without your children once no. you have your child you're like I, I barely remember like they were always here they yes. were always meant to be here and god knows we would never go back in time and not have this wonderful beautiful magical creature in our world like they're just they are everything i am obsessed with my children like i just love them beyond <laughs> beyond all comprehension but you look back sometimes and i think the word that i want to plug in here and i'm kind of borrowing from your brand some of your brand messaging is that you lose confidence in who you were. You lose this confidence because at some point you were like, this is who I am and this is my identity and this is my role and this is my job and these are my friends and this is my body and these are all the things that I used to know, my routine, my schedule, my self-care time, whatever. And you had confidence in at least knowing who that person was in some sense. So the grief it feels like is almost this, we lose the confidence, we have to now find the confidence. And I said, I'm borrowing from your brand message because Mm -hmm. your motto your mom babe's motto on your website is actually coffee in one hand, coffee, which we have today and confidence in the other. So I'm curious if you can kind of say more about that, but what does it take for a new or an experienced mom to feel confident again? Like it's such a big undertaking, I think. Oh, it is. And I, you know, I would say that I've always, um, we grew up, we grew up. I got to come give, give an ode to my parents. Um, and not, you know, it's funny, like people say, well, fake it till you make it. We were not about a fake anything. Like it was, you know, it was you, you were just going to embody this and it's a mentality and it's, um, and it's a way of life in a way that it's, it's, there's times, yes, we have shortfalls and there's times, yes, we have, um, those moments where you're the self-pity or the, um, you know, but I think we were learned or taught, sorry, we were taught to learn like that self-compassion and, and to know that, no, we can do it. That's big. That's that's really actually quite big. And I think what just, I had this little light bulb go off that when you said self-compassion, that confidence, first of all, has to be grounded in that, in being able to say, I'm just, I'm going to be compassionate with who I am, where I am, where I'm at right now. And I love this because you and I literally did this before we started recording. We're like, do we, do we wait till we're slightly more perfect? And we're like, now nah, let's just like, let's just hit it. Let's just have some compassion for where we're at and share that part. But I love too, Carolyn, what you're saying here about like this is a message that we can also kind of download to not just ourselves, but also our children. If you're listening and you are a parent out there, or even that you have children in your world that you don't have to wait for anything. Like you are okay 
as you are. And thank God you were given that blessing and that message as growing up. Cause I witness you now as, and I see you and your sister together. And I think, I don't know, Megan and I have even talked about this. I don't know that I know people who have more self-belief than the two of you like to take (laughs) And uh, people often ask me, like when I, they look at say the unapologetically her event and the kind of the bigness of that. And, um, I remember in year two, when we had Arlene Dickinson on stage, they said, how do you even, how does one even pick up the phone and call Arlene Dickinson? How do you even find that? And I'm like, I just, I had to actually think about that. And I'm like, wow, I never thought that I couldn't, it never occurred to me that I couldn't pick up the phone and call a human that I admired and ask them if they wanted to be a part of something I had such a deep self-belief in. It never occurred to me to see that there was any other way to be in the world. And I think that's the blessing I received from my parents, of course, but um, who are just fighters and survivors and have always done what it has taken to kind of overcome barriers in life. But um, yeah, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I just love that you have this self-belief and like, what would you say to other moms? Maybe is where I want to go with this. What would you say to other moms and even non-moms, even just listeners that are listening right now and thinking, how do I find that confidence, that self-belief if I'm grieving my confidence in a way from the past? Huge question. I think, um, self-compassion is huge. I've done, or we've both done a lot of work with it. And, and I think though, like, you know, if, Sometimes too, like, you know, people say, well, you got to do the work and you got to do the self-improvement, all these things. And yeah, yeah, I'll connect with that and you got to, but sometimes I can, I, I know there's someone out there listening being like, I don't want to do the work. Speaking of capacity. Yeah. I have no more capacity to do self-improvement. Thank yes. you so like I just want to be more confident. I just want to feel better. And I think that's where our slogan comes in. And I think it's that permission slip. And sometimes it can just be that, you know, one liner, like, you know, people will, will talk about, you know, manifestation and meditation. And again, sometimes people are all into it and other people are like, oh gosh, that's one more thing I got to do. Yeah. Um, so, but for the most part, I know most people, they pour themselves a hot drink in the morning. And for us, it's coffee. We are coffee people. Maybe it's tea, maybe it's whatever, but whatever you're pouring or whatever you're doing, it's that reminder in the morning, you know, or wherever you start your day. Um, wherever you are, you're in your kitchen, your car, whatever. Um, you know, it's, I take that first sip and I just, it's that reminder to myself that like, okay, whatever happens, I got, okay, I got it. Mm-hmm. I, got I got it. Like, I, I can do it. And it's believing that it's not just saying it. It's deep down knowing that. And, and trust me, there's times where I'll, even I actually, the other day I said to my husband, I took my first sip and he, he will always make the coffee and he puts it in my mom babe mug so that there's a slogan on the cup. <laughs> and there's times where, you know, he can tell that I'm feeling it. And he says, make sure you read the cup first before you take the first sip. And I look at him and I'll, you know, and he'll wink at me or something. And I just know and it's because he's doing it too. And it's, yeah. it's just, we all have things, but it's just taking that moment in the morning of self-reflection of saying, Hey, there's no better person to do this than, than me. Mm, yes. I can do it. There's no better person who can do this but me. That is so big. I love that. I am, I am like saddened to have to even wrap this conversation up. I'm like, (laughs) I just want to hang out all day with you, Carolyn, and talk more about this stuff. It's so powerful today. Um, but I'm going to kind of end with this or wrap with this. 
our secrets are out segment, which is really now in season three has been kind of transformed into a little bit of like rapid fire for you instead of just me. So a few secrets, but I I want some secrets, but I first want to know what is your guiltiest pleasure for just like, if I have to veg out, if I have to just tune out of the world, where do you go? Oh, it's funny. If you would have watched my Insta stories, I went to the movie theater and I bought popcorn, but did not see a movie. I just played <laughs> popcorn. <laughs> I came back to my car and I ate it. Um, I love popcorn. So that's definitely, but I don't feel guilty about that. I'm just like, no, I don't. <laughs> I went, people like, I saw the lady at the, at the bottom of like the escalators and she was looking at me like, you have a full bag of popcorn. And you, and I'm like, I sure do, my friend. I sure do. <laughs> yeah, so but, what do you have to say about it? Um, actually, I would say my guilty pleasure. If any, all like my sister will say, oh my gosh, this is totally you. I, I have an obsession with looking at real estate. Oh. I don't know why. Like, I feel like I don't, I'm not moving anywhere. <laughs> yeah, you just like to see what's going on. I do. I'd love to see like houses. Like I do. Like I, I, it is. Like I will look at all different places and people are like, oh, like you're going to move to Cranbrook? I'm like, no, I just wanted to see the houses there. I'm like, oh, you're going to move to like Mexico? No, I just want to look at who's there. Like, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's weird, but I do it. I look at real estate all the time. And like my husband will come, you know, sometimes he'll go have like, whatever, like a beer with neighbors. He's like, you want to come out? And I'm looking up and he's like, oh, you're looking at real estate, aren't you? I'm like, I am. I'm like, <laughs> down the whole of real estate. So, Listen, yeah. don't stop me. Don't stop me. This is what I'm going to do. I said on a, a recent podcast, I love watching reality TV just to turn my brain off because I want things that I don't actually think intellectually about because it, I, I often, my brain is always in kind of strategy mode. So I like to be able to have no strategy and watch things cool. that I don't really care about. I was going to say 90 day fiance. That would be another guilty pleasure. Like okay. that stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, let's go to Africa and see what happens. Like totally. <laughs> Good 90 day. I'm sure your husband loves that. You love that show. Oh, he's like, <laughs> again, I'm like, again, keep going. <laughs> okay. I'm going to ask you a more, a serious secret question here, a slightly more serious, but is there one kind of fundamental thing for you in your thinking or your mindset or the way you view the world that has changed as a result of this pandemic? Is there something that you can really just say, I never thought this way before, or I never did this thing before, or never added this thing to my routine before, or cared about this thing before. What was that fundamental shift for you in the pandemic? Don't wait. Oh, yeah. For anything, just do the thing. Do the damn thing. (laughs) Do the damn thing. Don't wait till the pandemic's over. Don't wait till you lose 10 pounds. Don't wait till the kids are older, whatever it is, freaking do it. You want to do it? Do it. Just freaking do it. Yeah. Yeah. You want to write a book with 20 authors? Like just do it. You're going to find a way. Like there's always something that's always going to come at you to be like, Oh, you shouldn't do that. Or, well, that's going to be too hard. But if it's like anything, if you really want to do it, you'll find a way. Totally. Totally. Okay. How about this one? What worries you the most right now? And I'm sure in your personal life, you might be thinking that might be it, but what worries you the most about your life in the world? Oh gosh. In my personal life. Yeah. I just worry about, honestly, I'm worrying about September startup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like daycare and school and all the things. Um, but globally, like big picture, like, oh my gosh. Um, well, I'm, I, I actually had to take a break from the news lately. Um, yeah. cause I was, I was just so sad. Like, so I'm just worries me the most is like, what is our, what's happening in our world? Yeah. I'm right there with you. Like, I just, I don't, 
I have to, I know I have to learn more. Um, yeah, I have to learn more, but I just, but yeah. right now your focus is Reese and you yeah, will learn. Focus is Reese, but I just, yes. I'm really, I'm really worried about our world. I'm worried about our world too. I really am. Final question of the day here. What is your greatest hope for the power of story in overcoming our worries about the world? Oh, what a question. Oh, share your truth. Like I just, um, have had the beautiful gift of witnessing that this last year and I would have not gone through this pandemic. I would have not been able to, um, if I had a miscarriage, I wouldn't have been able to get through that. I wouldn't have been able to like, like doing your program and create, like just even actually just finding my truth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You hit a, you hit a big, big, big light bulb during our program. Yeah. Like you, like, yeah, like you were like, no, 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 this is what was happening. And I'm like, you're right. <laughs> and like, I think just again, um, like I know it's all the cliche things, but like, again, like the power of story, because when we really do truly share your story and, and it's it's original raw form, like you don't need to like sugarcoat it or make it something that you yeah. think it needs to fit somewhere else. Like no, it's your story and you own it, own your freaking story. Then we're going to, we're going to be okay. We're, we are going to be okay. I believe that fundamentally too. I, I think we will be okay. So long as we learn how to tell story and then we learn how to hold story. So like both sides can work together to be part of this change. I seriously agree. I love that we just went forward with this episode today. I love that even Christina couldn't even be here. You and I almost canceled. We both cried for half an hour before we recorded. And yet here we are. Um, I love you. I love what you ladies are doing. I love witnessing your self-belief. I love witnessing the power of community and the power of story. I love that you shared so vulnerably today and I wish you and your family and Reese all, all the kind of best, I don't even want to plug in the word luck here. I just wish you the best of everything moving forward in your advocacy. And I'm here for you. I know this community is, and now my community is, we're all rooting for you. Thank you, Carolyn and sort of, and Christina, as I shout out into the echoes for being here today with the mom babes, where can we find you online on Instagram? Thank you. Oh, thank you so much, Anna. Um, so yeah, find us our website. So the mom or we love hanging on to Insta. So at the mom babes, easy peasy. That will of course be in the show notes as well, but thank you so much for joining and for sharing your true story on this edit of unapologetic stories. Oh, pleasure. Thank you for joining this edit of the Unapologetic Stories podcast. If you're ready to share your truth and rewrite your personal life story, connect with me at unapologeticstories.com for all the details on speaker training, storytelling, and strategizing your way through this one big life. If you've enjoyed listening, we would love for you to leave us a five-star review on your favorite podcast listening app or Apple Podcast. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram and Facebook at Unapologetic Anna for new speaker training start dates. Until next time, stay brave, stay unapologetic, and keep bringing in your truth.